Good evening and welcome to Football Uncensored, uh, your week all of the week's football. Uh, with me this evening and hoping to avoid the shame corner, we have got our dodgy stat man, uh, a United fan, Niall. We've got our deleted Burnley fan, Jake, joining us again tonight and decidedly hard done by Bournemouth fan, Phil. Hello. Um, in this episode, we're going to be covering um, the reaction from the Chelsea and Spurs game. Uh, Jake and Phil are going to go head-to-head over the Bournemouth versus Burnley game this weekend. We've got a little bit from the guys about the most memorable moment they've been involved in personally in football um, and some points to be awarded for the best story. Um, We've got reaction to Arsenal versus Everton um, and a little bit of the roundup from the Champions League game of the week. A few other little bits here and there. Uh, we do have a tendency to veer off. We're not professionals. We're just lads who get together to chat about football, and we thought we'd share that with you all. Good evening, gents. Good Hello. evening. So, um, we're going to start with the Chelsea versus Spurs. And um, I think we're going to throw this one to Niall to sort of uh, start off with. It's obviously going to be a discussion, as most of the games are, uh, which is going to be dominated by VAR. But um, just give us your thoughts, Niall. Get us started. Yeah, um, first game of the weekend. And managed to get that one watched in full 90 minutes before I had to pick up the child and not see any more football again. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it could have been at least four, to be fair, for Chelsea at the time. But Spurs got an 89th minute, finishing the game off 2-1. But the biggest highlight of that was Lacelso who was involved in a challenge. Nasty fucking challenge as well. I like involved in a challenge, implying it wasn't a horrific stamp. Yeah, you're making out like it's a 50-50. Niall? Have we lost him? I think we might have lost him. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, then, Phil and Jake, give us your thoughts about the game. <laughs> we'll see what his life um, I, I was quite shocked that obviously they've gone back to VAR and they said, I don't know, I'll leave it at that. Somehow we didn't get a yellow card, which baffled me at the start, before even about the red card or anything like that. And then 20 odd, 20 odd minutes later, yeah, it should have been a red card. It's like, come on! How long? Why does it take you twenty yeah. minutes to think? The, Actually, that was a red card. The justification for not giving a red card was dreadful as well. The justification at the time was he had nowhere else to put his foot. He couldn't yeah. land in any other way. Therefore, it didn't matter that there was a hell of a lot of extra downward force added. It didn't matter that he was looking at where he was stamping. It was, oh, he didn't have yeah. anyone to put his foot. What a ridiculous excuse. It's, um, honestly, it's such a nasty challenge to look at. And uh, y- you wonder what they saw when they look back on it. I just, I can't, like, uh, did, they, did they think that it was talking about a different challenge? Or is it one of them things where, do you think they maybe lined up all of the replays? And the guys in the VAR office weren't watching, so they just went, "What? Oh, oh shit! Uh, what?" Yeah, <laughs> that's like, that's the only way that I can possibly imagine being able to justify that. Like, 
they must have missed it when they tried to watch it back. Uh, I, I just can't bother it. I think my uh, dead granddad must be in the VAR room because he'd have called that a good old fashioned challenge. <laughs> Bit of fancy footwork. I don't think your granddad was in the VAR room going on the Bournemouth result, Phil, because you know he used to own Bournemouth. Yeah. <laughs> but oh yeah horrific challenge um by lacelso obviously this episode is going to be quite dominated by var so it's a bloody awful decision by var i am happy that for once they've come out and admitted a mistake because they're probably admitting only about one in ten so for them to come out and admit a mistake yeah that's better but still bloody awful um, challenge by Lacelso, just nasty, vicious leg breaker, and and Pulquetta is Dave is lucky to not be a lot worse off. Regarding the game separately, Giroud's finish was great. That sort of in it was great finish. Yeah. Near post was great finish. I thought Mountain Barkley were really lively. I thought Chelsea could have been well away by the time Tottenham got their consolation. But Caballero is a dodgy keeper, so you're always going to get a chance with him to score. I thought he he almost fucked up on that Tanganga run. And then yeah, we, yeah. my belief is that he should have been... <laughs> we've talked about this before the pod, obviously Rudiger's own goal and his qualities, but I thought Caballero should have done a lot better because it has trickled over the line. Um yeah, I think uh, and a stat I saw on Match of the Day, Marcus Alonso finished brilliant. stat I saw, he's got 17 goals in 104 Premier League appearances for Chelsea. For a lack Am I back? That's one in five. You are? Huh. For a Sorry, Phil. Keep, keep in, going, Phil. <laughs> yeah, for a left back, one in five. I mean, Bain's record for a guy who took set pieces, guy who could strike a ball, guy who got goals from left back. His record was 32 goals in 415. So less than one in ten. Marcus Alonso, for all of the defensive woes they've had with him in the team at times, he's got a fantastic scoring record for a defender. Yeah, and that that goal in particular was really, really impressive. Like the speed of the build-up there, yeah. and the, how quickly he had to take that shot on um, and find the corner. It was a really, really quality goal. I think what you touched on before, though, I think there's the defensive part of his game. I think that can sometimes be uh, lacking a little bit because where a lot of fullbacks try to use their pace to get themselves out of trouble, or if they're quick enough, they can do it. I feel like he tries to use his pace to get himself out of trouble, but he's not quick enough to do it. Yeah. And he ends up, do you know I mean, he ends up being exposed quite a lot because he does like to bomb on, he does like to get forward. It's not that he can't get up and down the pitch, but he's perhaps not necessarily quick enough to do that week in, week out versus the speed of a lot of Premier League uh, referees. Can I just... Uh, referees, when you're sorry. I have the utmost respect for Tammy Abraham after yesterday because he, he followed that ball into the post. Nuts first. <laughs> and, oh, and that's why it might have been a game for Yeah, it's uh, he full on Jimmy Traoré the post and played on manfully. He did look in quite a lot of discomfort every time I saw him after that. It didn't look like it's something that went away in five minutes. And I think I'd have been calling for a stretcher of morphine the way he clattered into that post. 
So yeah, imagine imagine coming back from a, a, an injury and being like, yeah, it's great to finally get back out of the pitch, and then go and do that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, like nuclear fucking detonate your bollocks on the post. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Van got glanced by a ball and ruptured a nut. Tammy Abraham was falling. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think Chelsea should you guys lost me, did you at some point then? Sorry? So you guys lost me at some point then, did yeah. you? Yes, so. we did. It was quite nice. I was I was, I was ranting away to myself then. I was like, because I was talking about my bit and then suddenly I heard it. Outing. But then Jake said exactly what I was going to say next. Like, well, so why, why can I? Anyway, because you had a whole thing about this game because you watched the whole 90 minutes and you're and everything. Let's let us know. Come on. It's the whole 90 seconds on the podcast. <laughs> so it's like, oh, what have you got? Else? Anyway. Nothing else to add, no. So you're not wanting to you're not wanting to give us your thoughts on the game, then, no. Well, other than it was a, a good, exciting game, Jake said everything that I was going to say, <laughs> exactly word for word, pretty much. Stop I'm really glad everything. we brought you on, mate. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> technical difficulties and all that, you know. Do you know what? I think that's an automatic shame corner. That is. No, it's not. Come on. Yeah, we rattled everything. We've you rattled everything. We have got to the um, shame corner before the Burnley Bournemouth debate. That is a lot of pressure off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to take some doing to get in there now, surely. Yeah. You just got some. You've got to have some sort of thought on on it, which is more dynamic than something Jake has to offer. And for not having, then that's why you're going into the shame corner. Okay. I found, um, I found out why it broke. That's so. This is why now I'm unprepared. Okay. Well, I tell you what. Let's talk about that when we're off air. You absolute fucking melt. Uh, <laughs> right. So. We're going to throw it now to Jake and Phil to Woo! talk about the Bournemouth versus Burnley game. Moral Can I just say I've been looking forward to this do, all week. Do you mean the Burnley demolishment of Bournemouth? Oh, it starts. Oh, do, you really want to, do you really want to start with demolishment? Um, yes. Considering what I'm trying to stay out of the same corner. <laughs> Yes, acknowledgement. Uh, I, I, and I'm calling it the great, wonderful Bournemouth moral victory. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know that that's like a bonus point, essentially. You fucking should be. All right, it should be. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let the technical winner, Jake, <laughs> go on. Have your shot. Well, I want to say both handballs. Was correct. Now, I've <laughs> looked at the replays in so because at first the the first one I was fifty fifty on, um, but having into looking more depth and you, you actually see where the ball actually hits his arm, and it's on the side sponsor, and it, it hits that. And obviously, if you look at where that is on a shirt, that's on your arm. So I think that's why that was got given. The second one was the exact same thing, a lot lower down his arm than the previous one. So that was probably correctly given. 
Well, I would argue that with it's a size five ball, not a tennis ball. So if it hits you on the shoulder, it's going to hit a bit of your arm. But the reality is the impact on the ball is so, even if it is mostly arm, and I don't believe it is, I think it's mostly shoulder on both. Even if it is, it's so high on the arm to call that, to call it handball is is downright ridiculous. I think the that's say, more so. VAR, and we'll what? come on to this with the sit Leicester and City game, is VAR was consistent in its application during this game. Both calls totally wrong, but at least they were totally wrong in the same way, which is new to VAR. Well, to be honest, when, when you when you say it's totally wrong, maybe that the VAR isn't wrong, but the rules aren't what they should be. We, we've kind of touched on that in many podcasts previously, that VAR is doing what the rules limit to what it can do. Yeah, yeah. referees even who had a clear view of it. Like one of my real gripes with the second one is how clear a view Mike Dean had. Mike Dean said nothing wrong, nothing doing. There was always an element of common sense applied to subjective rules like handball. And the reality is, in both in both instances, no common sense was applied. It hit them. It hit them. If it's if it's arm more than shoulder, it's so marginal. That second one was a lot more like that's handball. Like, see, I disagree on that one. I actually think that the second one was far more shoulder than anything else. And the first one, all right, you know, there's the whole question mark about the removing the rule of intent again, because clearly Billing's gone to head the ball. Um, I do think that's maybe taken a bit of a nick off of his arm as you mentioned, kind of near the sponsor part on the arm, yeah. which is, it, which you know, is one thing. But I do think that the Adam Smith one, the second one, was just, I, I can't see anything but shoulder in that. I really can't. It, it, then, it has it is upper arm because it's extended the out. Is, the, 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 the new, under the new adaptation of the rule, like benefit of the doubt is supposed to go to the defender in that situation. There you know, oh, you can't, obviously you can't catch it and flick it, but... You know, if if I I think it's hit his shoulder, and if it's if it's flicked onto his arm at any point, I mean, his arm's not in a natural position, but no, he, it has hit his shoulder for me. Yeah. So whether his arms in a, whether his arms up, down, left, right, behind his back, don't matter. It's hit his shoulder. Yeah, this isn't the, yeah. this isn't the Dennis. This isn't the Dennis Pratt one for Leicester City where it's clearly hit his arm. It's very very debatable. Mm. And it the is. benefit of the doubt is supposed to go to the defender. Mike Dean had a clear view of it. And I think it brings us on to a point with VAR that hasn't necessarily been discussed, but should be. How far back should VAR be allowed to go? Should there be a number of passes? Should there be uh, an amount of time? Because we have seen decisions where VAR, is, in this instance, it could only go back 30 seconds. Performer scored 30 seconds later. It had to look. But if Bournemouth hadn't have scored, it could have gone on for two, two and a half, three minutes while VAR looked at it, and they called it back for a penalty. We have seen that. And if the referee has a clear view of it, like Mike Dean did, there's a pitch side monitor for him to go and have a look himself. My biggest bugbear at the moment with VAR, other than you know, Bournemouth were completely robbed yesterday, my biggest bugbear with VAR <laughs> is that referees 
we've been asking for referees to get pitch side monitors so referees can be the ones to make the decisions and they're still not. They are still not using them and they are abdicating. Garth Brooks said it, they're abdicating that responsibility. And I think referees are quite happy with all the bad decisions being attributed to VAR and VAR getting the blame. Because as I said to Ben earlier today, I can't remember the last time we slagged or I slagged off a referee's performance. I can't remember the last time anyone went hard in on a referee. I think they're probably quite happy with the division. All the bad decisions are being made by by someone other than them. I was saying to Phil as well, I can't imagine any situation where this isn't getting bordering on the deliberate now in terms of it, it feels a bit like they're going, well, you wanted this technology. Now you've got it. Look, it's here. So everyone gets fucked off of it. And then, you know, at some point they remove it and go, well, you can't say anything about the refs now because we have VAR and it didn't work. There are a I, few moments now that it, um, people really say it's match fixing, modern day match fixing. It's, it's really odd that he that they continue to get things wrong at such a high level, um, you know, and and continue to use this faceless base in Stockley Park to fucking justify shit decisions. And there must be some sort of FA directive about whether or not you can go over and use the monitors or whatever. But I don't know what that is. There just seems to be no plan, no communication on it. And it, this is the top-level football. This is the best league in the world. Exactly. It works best in the World Cup. And in the World Cup, they all went to a monitor. Yeah, they, yeah exactly. There was 11 VAR decisions which paused or stopped a game yesterday in the Premier, in, on Saturday in the Premier League. And four of them were very convincing to arguable wrong. That is a Poor. ridiculous ratio. That's that's a farcical day. Football's not but again, learned. Football's not learned. I think I think part of this is arrogance. Football's the big sport. Football can do do whatever it likes. It doesn't have to look at other sports to learn from other sports. There are other sports which are using technology, which are really subjective themselves. Cricket, fair enough. It's it's the line of a ball or whether something gets hit. That's really not yeah. subjective at all. Tennis, not subjective. Rugby union, rugby league, American football, super subjective. Technology used and used so much more effectively. The only problem and that they have are with the rules in general and directives coming down for what referees are supposed to do. They're not having these problems with the technology itself. And four, four decisions out of 11 where you could very convincingly argue they were wrong. I think two of them all four of us are going to agree is are wrong and two of them, three of us are going to agree is wrong and Jake is going to bury his head in the sand like an ostrich. Um, <laughs> what, I mean, VAR, that game, both keepers played was really crazy. Well. Yeah, it was a crazy game. Both keepers played really, really well. Pope played out of his skin for a long time. Ramsdale was really, really unlucky to find himself having conceded three goals because he was great. Uh, Pope's punch save, it was one of the most nonchalant world-class saves I've ever seen. It was just, it was a thing of beauty. It was just completely active. He wasn't even looking at the ball. He just punched it. Just out of <laughs> about two yards out the shot. He just punches it, yep. going straight to him. And it was so nonchalant. But and he really, does that week in, week out. Yeah, he does. And I think... Bournemouth could have been 3-0 up, could easily could have been 3-0 up 
in the first half an hour. Even whether that VR calls call goes for them on billing or not, they were just dominant, and that Vidra chance in the first half was totally against the run of play. They got the yeah. McNeil had a stormer, didn't he? Yeah, they. Well, he should have scored a hat trick, should have Vidra. Yeah, he got a goal against the run of play in the second half, and then Bournemouth. Again, this is probably an issue with a side. Of, a little bit of what we touched on with Dan Gosling last week, where he just lost his head in the post-match interview. I think Bournemouth lost their heads after that second VAR decision. They were all over the it place. Would. They were you would as well. Goals. You would, but you would, but a team in a better position or a Bournemouth team having a better season don't lose their heads. This Bournemouth team at the moment, the position they're in, the pressure they're under, they did. And you could have honestly looked at that game and seen Bournemouth could have been 3 4 nil up. They weren't. Burnley could have ended up winning 6 nil. the number of chances they had at the end. Dwight Neal is I've, 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 so dangerous. Such, such a good player. I've heard some criticism of Bournemouth and, um, you know, there's, there's talk about a lack of fight and a lack of real characters and lack of anyone really pulling up their socks at Bournemouth. Um, and But I, I don't think that you can fault them for a, a negative reaction yesterday because they must feel absolutely like exasperated with everything that's gone on. It's just, um, I mean, like I said, the billing one, I can kind of sort of see either way. I can kind of understand why it's headed that way rather than, um, you know, rather than being allowed still. It's a contemptuous one. I think it might have just, just been slightly handball. And in you know, in line with the FA rulings and stuff like that, you know, the attacker has used the hand to gain an advantage. So I can understand why it's not given. But the Adam Smith one, I just don't understand the, the justification for it at all. And when you've got stuff like that, I mean, stuff's already going against Bournemouth in terms of not just the AR decisions, but like luck, uh, injuries. You know, they've had, they've had such a horrible, horrible season anyway. So for them to... Be on the pitch in that situation against what is already a tough Burnley side, and then especially in the form we're on. Yeah, that's and that's it. When you look at how we played that first sort of 30 35 minutes, when we said what three weeks ago that this is a game I could target against something out of, we looked like we would, we looked like we could come away with all three, we looked like there was a very real possibility. We did against Sheffield United the other week, and for one reason or another, it just came apart. And obviously this time it was a very negative reaction towards the VAR. I would dispute the Philip Billing one. I think Smith was closer to handball, but Mike Dean saw it and the defender should get the benefit. I think Philip Billing's one, the ball, two players jump in front of him to head the ball and miss it. He's no more than two feet away from those players. I know that they've removed the intent rule, which, to be perfectly honest, I think is ridiculous because the ball bounces around. It ping-pongs in a game of football. It pinballs. You're not going to get as many clean goals as you want because the reality is occasionally the ball will brush a hand. It will, it will hit an arm. There was no fault of Billings. All Billings tried to do was head a ball that wasn't there to be headed because he couldn't see it coming. Yeah, sadly... Like you say, though, we like you touched on briefly in that, you know, intent doesn't matter but then anymore. I believe, but then I firmly believe that Billings was shoulder anyway, and I don't think shoulder is has ever been in the game part handball. I don't remember. I don't remember many decisions certainly where someone's given a handball for the ball hitting a shoulder. And I think both. I, think I do believe both were shoulder. 
I think the other thing that we've got to worry, the Bournemouth have to worry about now at this point as well is the run of fixtures they've got is absolutely stinking. Yeah. And, um, they've got Chelsea at home, Liverpool away, which I'm going to, and I can't wait. Uh, Bournemouth, uh, they've then got Palace at home, Wolves away, Newcastle at home, United away, Spurs at home, oh. Leicester at home, okay. Man City uh, away. Is it just as you think you can't get worse? Yeah. Southampton at home and Everton at home. On uh, Sorry, Everton away on the last day of the season. Not, I mean, you're looking at that run of games and perhaps maybe pinch something at Newcastle, possibly so, uh, Palace. That brings me on to something I wanted to ask uh, Phil and that's perfect now. I noticed during watching that game, it, the camera span to Eddie Howe, did you think he looked defeated and possibly worried about his job now? I don't think he should be. As, as a Bournemouth fan, I think even if we go down, we should keep him. I think we should do exactly what Burnley did a few years ago. Yeah, I, I was just about to say it. that. I, we should look at it in that way. I think part of the reason we didn't spend in January was we gave the players a chance to dig themselves out of the situation. And if they don't, at least then we're not spending recklessly and putting ourselves in danger of sort of administering high wages and everything. Yeah, we're not putting ourselves in that danger. I think I think we've got the squad to bounce back, and I think Eddie's the absolutely the right man for that. I can't see anyone else coming in doing what he's doing. I don't think I think he was extremely frustrated, and I think that's the first one of the first times I've ever seen him actually visibly angry. I don't think he looked, he looked upset to me. He looked worried. Yeah, I think I've seen looked, him a I few times. Worried, but I think he's looked worried before. That's not first. One I know, but I think he's maybe looking over his shoulder a bit more than he has done. I've seen him a few times looking looking defeated. He honestly. Even from the, like when after the first Liverpool Bournemouth game, he looked an absolutely broken man, and that was a good while ago. Um, I I don't know mm. if it, if it's really the question of if you should keep him. It's if you can, I think now well, at this point, surely. An element he might decide to go. I don't think he goes before the end of the season if he does, and I don't think we'd sack him. I think he's got. The he'll job. be loyal to the end of the season yeah, if he I was going to go. I think he's got the job. For as essentially for as long as he wants it, I think we'd need to have a couple of very bad seasons in the championship to to look at bringing someone else in because of what he's done and because of what he's done for the club and and the higher ups at the club. Okay, Maxim Denim wasn't there, our owner wasn't there when we were in League Two and doing bucket collections, but Jeff Mostyn, who's the chairman of the club, was. I'm so are you deciding? to relegation then with these next results? I, I'm not consigning to relegation because at, at the moment we're on 26 points. Uh, we win four. We're in, we win four. We're in with a very realistic chance and Bournemouth do go on those runs. I'm not... I can't see you do four against that comp- the competition you've got though. Yeah, I'm struggling to see four games you can win in that one. I think, like I say, you might be able to get something out of Newcastle. Possibly, yeah. You might be able to get something out you might be able to get someone at Palace. Palace, um, Palace you might. Place, I think you we might. can win. Newcastle, I think we can beat. Southampton, we beat them early. I know they're not the same side, but I can see it's at our place. It's a big game. That's that's a top up. That's up in the air. 
there's three straight away. You only need on top if we win those games, you only really need one on top of that. I would also look at I would also look at it this way. Brighton are currently two points ahead of us. I think there's plenty of fight there and ability there, but their run of games is arguably worse. I think that West Ham don't look like they have that much fight about them and their run of great games isn't great. Watford have lost that new manager bounce. Norwich are going down. Aston Villa are dropping like a stone. And and Newcastle aren't out of it by any means. They are a few points ahead of the relegation spaces, but you only need Bournemouth or Brighton or West Ham to start picking up a bit of form. And suddenly... Oh, Newcastle. Newcastle could easily go down. Yeah, Newcastle could go down. I think we were in this situation a little... Not quite as dire, but we were in this situation a little bit last year. And... We went on a bit of a run, as we do. But yeah. there was also there was also this feeling that there were three or four teams who just lost the funny. This year, I don't see that. I only really see two, and that's Norwich. And even then, they impressed me against Liverpool. But they're just probably too far behind in a close league. Yeah. And West Ham don't seem to have the fight now. I can, I can very well see them. They shouldn't go down. They have too much quality. But I could see them going down. I think. Do you remember arguing until you were blue in the face about how good an appointment David Moyes oh, yeah. was? <laughs> I just argued that it couldn't be called a bad one straight off the bat. And to be fair, I argued that after his first game against Bournemouth where they won 4-0. So, I think that Aston, I think oh. Aston Villa are probably going down. I think Norwich are going down. And I think then any one of four clubs could be the other team. Bournemouth, probably marginal favourites of those four. Because Jacob only going down. Or are you going to keep it up now? What's that? Here we go. What's that? I'm only going to no, be in the relegation. No, place in Europe. I'm only going to be in the relegation. <laughs> we're going to be in the Champions League. Oh, nah, are you going I, to- can see, I can see us pushing for Europe with the form oh, that we're in. With the foot, no, with the form that we're in. A little bit of VAR. I think. <laughs> yeah, it'll not last long. But- uh, plus, our runner games is probably one of the easiest out there that we could have. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, there's nothing difficult about fucking Man City away. Well, um, everyone's you know. got eleven or twelve games left. They are everyone's going to have a couple of shitters in there. You look at Bournemouth and Brighton; they've got sort of six or seven each in that runner game. But... But it, no, I don't think Burnley are in any no, sort of trouble no. getting dragged into that fight with the, with the result, with the games that they've got left, because there are a lot of winnable ones there. Brighton, you could say that they were probably favourites. They've got Norwich away. Um, you've got uh, Watford at home, uh, Crystal Palace away, West Ham. There's some like massively winnable games there. Um, so, you know, I, I think... I don't think Burnley are in any danger of getting dragged into that fight. I just think that there might be a few too many that they could lose there to sort of really let them kick on to Europe because those places are so crowded as it is with like Arsenal, Spurs, you know, everything like that. So um, Sheffield United, Leicester, Manchester United, there's just too many teams in those European places. And I, I think you've got to have a perfect run really to get into those positions and, and hope for a lot of other teams to fuck it up. Um, 
can't see that. No, they're all it's like, we, it's like we've got points. I think that I think the bottom three, you're gonna be looking at 34, 35 points gets you relegated. I think 36, 37 might be safe. And Burnley have eleven games left that improve on thirty-seven points. They are they are home and hose. They are absolutely fine. It's it's um, like we've got Newcastle away. These are our last eleven. Newcastle away, Spurs at home, Man City away, Watford at home, Palace away, Sheffield United at home, West Ham away, Liverpool away, Wolves at home, Norwich away, and Brighton at home. It's not a bad run. It's it's I a really good game. Liverpool, Anfield, Spurs, City. You've got games in, in a couple of those where you probably drop points. And I think that might be what rules you out of the European race. But, you you know, you're safe in terms of the relegation. Thing. See, um, um, we're gonna... with, with Burnley playing Tottenham at home, we could win that with the way Tottenham are currently oh, in definitely. Especially with, yeah, with Kane and, and um, Son, both foul really engines. And same like night without those two. No, not at all. Um, but um, it's, I just think that there are some that you could still possibly lose in that one um, and those those losses might hit you quite hard I think they should be safe um, anyway gents I think we're going to go for a little break now um, and then when we come back we'll continue the discussion Hello, welcome back. And um, we are going to move the discussion on now. And we are going to talk a little bit about um, what we think, what the lads have for us as the most memorable moment that they've been involved with personally in football. Um, So I'm going to throw this to Niall first because it was his idea. Great. Um, (laughs) I don't don't know what you was thinking memorable would be whether it'll be positive or negative experience but mine was a negative one but a strange one uh, playing for my high school we finished school went and got changed into kit we was playing our, uh, our rifles high school so big games and there were two games as well A and B teams opposite side of the pitches um, I took uh, I was playing right back for some reason but it was better than centre back which I always kept being put in for a strange reason again if you know my size <laughs> um, but yeah we're doing that I got, got a knock early on took a pretty bad one but ran it off as you do and then about 30 minutes in we had a throw in so I raised my leg up swinging to bring the ball down and for some weird reason the opposition player decided to come running in, leg up, studs in, and just take my right leg clean out. Because um, I was leaning on my left leg, obviously my natural next step would be then to go onto my right foot, as I did, until I fell to the floor like a sack of shit. <laughs> and, uh, there were no foul given either, by the way, so play was still fucking going on, all going on around me. Mate, VAR, there was nowhere else he could put his foot. Mate, there was no VAR <laughs> in 2002, I think it may have been, I'm thinking about 14. School games. Yeah, exactly. Um, took the shin pads off and my sock eventually to see 
my leg was just a big concave. Uh, the fucker went and broke my tip and fib. Oh, you fucker. So a fucking double break all from a throw-in. A fucking <laughs> throw-in. How, how the fuck would you ever see that in any other form? Oh. It's just... But because it was against a rival school, it was all like, you know, you're, you're out there to break a leg sort of thing and it was fucking my leg on the end of it. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I so, thought this was going to be a bit of a fun, you know, light, airy segment, but that's depressing as fuck. Thank you for that. It's not because there's a positive to it. Go on then. I about three months off school <laughs> and got home tutored, so yeah, happy day. Yeah, but you that time at school. Listen to you, you thick <laughs> 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 so yeah, that, that, uh, that break yeah, should have been that, really rendered. it in. <laughs> right, um, on that cheery light, enjoyable note, <laughs> let's throw it to Jake. Oh, here we go. So, I was, I want to say 17, 16, 17. So, like last year? <laughs> no, <laughs> quite some time ago. My football team I was playing for, Sunday League, got disbanded. Uh, a couple of months later, I get a phone call from the chairman of that club asking if I wanted to coach one of the younger teams. And I said, fuck it, why not? And it ended up being the under-8s. They were really far behind technically. Like, they were just really shit, to put it <laughs> lightly. Um what, you mean seven-year-olds were not the <laughs> product they, footballers? They <laughs> were, I'd say, I'd say there was a year or, year or two behind their actual age group skill level. So me and my friend of mine, who's now fucked off, um, but we won't talk about that. Um, wow. Pretty much coached pretty much coached them. Pretty much coached them. And then he he went off, so we're all on my own. We're about fifteen kids, which if you've ever coached yeah, eight year old, it can be quite can be difficult, especially yeah. at the age of seventeen years old, when you've got parents nagging you and you, it's the first time you've ever come into this situation. That was the age I went when I was doing it as well, Jake. <laughs> yep. And then one of the parents came over and he says, Look, do you want any help? And he came over and he's, so got a little partnership going. The year later, so I think they were, I think it were under 10s. We managed to get to the regionals finals. Um, yeah. And we ended up winning it, which I was quite surprised with. Um, and obviously, at kids level, you expect like year seven, four, three, six, something like that. This game ended 1 0. <laughs> and it was just like what what ten year old the, the game ta- <laughs> the, the the tactical the genius the game did you what was that did you coach all of the fun out of kids football <laughs> no, no it's Mourinho was the upper manager the part of the buzz <laughs> <laughs> the thing is they were they were we were playing our rivals and it. It didn't seem like they were uh, the like the game weren't bitty or anything like that, and it it was good. And then they ended up getting a a pretty decent sized trophy. The edge group, yeah. 
And I decided no. to take that home with me for a couple of weeks and then give it back to the uh, the club. Nice. Like it. Right, go on then, Phil. Right, so mine is a little bit shorter than that story. I went to school <laughs> Not like, near Newbury called um, the Down School. And I was year That's ten. a lot. Yeah, apt, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was at school that same... I was year seven, and I was at school at the same time there as Theo Walcott, who was year 11. Now, oh, uh... treated like an absolute golden boy, I was lucky and my older brother was obnoxious enough and enough of a knob that Theo knew who he was. <laughs> so I ended up just in a lunchtime game playing against Theo Walcott, and I was a reasonable goalkeeper when I was a kid before I piled on the weight. And <laughs> yeah, I saved a penalty of his with my face. I thought I'd do it in a <laughs> But uh, absolutely beautiful save. He was, he was trying to convince me he was going into a corner. He was going straight down the middle. I weren't moving. It's one of those, I put my hands up to stop it and it pushed both my thumbs out of the way. They were sort of like, nope. This is all in my face. <laughs> And yeah, I turned, I turned my head slightly. It hit me flush on the right cheek. I thought I broke my cheekbone, but I saved it. But I'm calling that a win. I mean, he, at that point, he was looking for a contract away from Southampton. So you know what Theo Walcott's like when he's looking for a new deal. He's great. He's well Mate, I, I'm, I'm surprised Theo Walcott had the power to break your jaw. Well, it was 11. <laughs> So was he. Well, he was 16, but... He was 16, I was 11. He just about had the power to hurt my... I said I thought I broke my cheek. I didn't actually. I was just being being a dramatic 11-year-old bitch. But (laughs) at the end of the day, I saved the penalty from Theo Walcott. And as I said, he's always always great when he's looking for a new contract. And he was looking for a contract at a proper club at that point. So, yeah, I'm going to say he was 16 years old, world-class, and I saved the penalty from a world-class player. No. <laughs> How old was he when he made his England debut? 16, uh, 17. 17. Yeah. Were he? Yeah, 17. Yeah. He got, like, this way, a couple of hundred I, I left that school after year seven. Two months after I left, he got taken to the World Cup. Like Mental time to be around that school, I bet, as well. Oh, yeah. Well, he, it was one of those. He was he was treated as an absolute golden boy. There was literally posters up of him every time there was a news article. Oh, he's going to leave Southampton for Chelsea for two million. That was yeah. posted everywhere. It was just just one of those things. No one else could seem to talk about anything else. So I was fine with as a football fan. I felt sorry kind of expected though, in it. Yeah, I, I felt sorry for anyone who went to that school and didn't like football. I mean, your end is expected as well, isn't it? Because, I mean, you saved one of his penalties with your face and no one's talking about it. Exactly. (laughs) Absolute wallaby. And there's no statue of me. (laughs) No parade with my name on it. (laughs) No posters. No, no posters. (laughs) Fuck all, mate. Fuck all. I left to move away with my mum and stepdad to no fanfare. It's a disgrace. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, similar thing happened with my school because obviously Jared Regres went to my school five obviously. years before I went. Um, Go try 
Because I'm really curious. I know who, exactly who you, you went. Yeah, because Jay Rodriguez is 30. Why are you struggling with Jay Rodriguez so much? Jay Rodriguez. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's from Burnley. <laughs> to be honest, he's <laughs> twice this season. I'm sick of the fucking sight of him. <laughs> Jay Rodriguez. Just rather you didn't finish the story, I might hang up. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, what you said. So, go on, mate. Sorry. Well, he, he he was the same. Like, even though the the time scale was much longer, the obviously PE teachers there were still praising him, and it's just like, what the fuck? It's like he's a god. <laughs> something still hold on to, isn't it? Yeah. And they're like, oh my god, I actually coached this guy and I made him say, fuck off. The woman that plays Leanne Battersby in Curry, who went to my school, if that's <laughs> anything to shout about. No, it's not. Um, Is that your claim to fame? Yeah. Well, oh, well, I'm going well, to have to shame Corny for that as well. No, that's, bet, that's, 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 why are you doing that? My better claim to fame is Ryan Giggs's mum was my nurse at hospital. Still, I mean, really yeah, but he's so he's, he's so disconnected with his family that don't really count. <laughs> he wasn't back then. No, he was quite twenty plus years ago, Jake. It, he was very much heavily involved with his family at that point. He had very inappropriate Christmas rituals. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so Ben, was right, so, well, before that, I'm going to give the points to Phil for the best story of the thing that he's been involved in, but I've just had mine in there for fun because obviously I'm judging. Um, I've actually got two. Um, and because I'm the judge and the presenter, I've got the prerogative to do that. Um, the, f- the first one, um, I was playing seven aside um, with uh, a bunch of my mates and we were quite a decent team to be fair. Uh, we don't remember being um, there, do we lads? Enough, You're not my mate. You me have more friends. I've never met any of them. <laughs> Shut up, you dickhead. You've played football with the people I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I wouldn't call them your friends, mate. Not the way they spoke about you. <laughs> oh, God, not <laughs> um, so that, um, we were playing against a team that were based out of a local 11-a-side team. And they're always the most difficult 7-a-side teams to try and have to navigate. And we were right up there in the league and chasing it and everything like that. And we came up against them and they'd given all this talk about all these ringers they were going to pull in and they were going to get this person, we're going to get that person. And we turned up to the game and they didn't. Um, they just had like a normal squad out. But at one point we got given this free kick. And my mate who stood over the free kick has got an absolute rocket of a shot. Honestly, it's one of them ones that if if you're in goal and he shoots, you just let it in because <laughs> you just don't want to get near really? it. It's I fucking... get my face in the way. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've seen um, Neil shoot, Phil. Would you get in the way of one of his shots, really? As, assuming he gets the fucker on target? Mm. Um, he might break, re-break my nose and make me prettier. I'm going right for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, mate. It's a fucking powerful shot, not a miracle worker. Anyway, so we get the free kick and quite instantly they snuff out the danger they go stand on him and they go stand right in front of the and I was just walking past he's thinking quickly and he flicks the ball as a back heel out to me about 35 yards out from goal and I smash it on my right foot right side of the goal up into the top left corner and everybody stopped 
it literally went silent and someone just went how the fuck has he done that he's shit (laughs) 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 i scored two in that game we won two one we went on to win the league happy days um the second story uh, that I've been involved in is I've never really, until quite recently, had much success with 11-a-side football. Um, it's, I'm mostly more comfortable with playing 7-a-side. Me and my mates have played 7-a-side down the years since I left school like, consistently. I think that's unfair, um, a bit harsh on yourself and unfair about your abilities in 11-a-side football. You're a great linesman. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I'm honestly, more, more you like people... You of all people are going to try and dig me out about this. I'm not having that because you know and I know that on with my shoelaces, shoelaces tied together, I am twice the football player. I even are. say it. But I'm not having that. I can have that from Jake or Niall because I don't know what level player they're at. But I'm not having it from you. Fuck. Oh, I am I a definitely <laughs> a big lad. I'm fine. I work too. You are. Um, so anyway. Um, so I've not had a a great deal of success in 11 aside football but um, I got into a team about four years ago which is the team I'm still at now Um, and there's always been this talk about uh, you know people take the piss like oh how often are you in that team oh you're 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 just a linesman you're this you're that but um, the first you were in your case you were a fourth official (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they had they had other longer. Do you know what? I listen to all of your stories, and you're all being cunts. Do you know what? You can all go into the shame corner. You can all think about what you've fucking done. All right. Party in the shame corner. Don't go to the You've all got separate shame corners. Okay, keep fucking quiet. Um, <laughs> But you know, I've got into I've got into this managed to get into this team of genuinely really really talented footballers, um, and we in the first season we managed to we, we was when when a couple of the lads came in um, and a new manager took over, we were third bottom or something. Played about six games, won two, and lost the rest. Um, and then when these lads came in. We just suddenly started storming up the league. We went 17 games, winning 16 and drawing one. Um, managed to finish second that season, get promoted to the top division. Then in the second season, um, and I played quite a lot as, during this cup run as well, um, we managed to top our group in the cup and then go through. We got through uh, a really, really tricky quarter final against like, the biggest local rivals. Um I scored in the semi-final and then we went through to the final, which we played at Wellingborough Towns ground. Um, and we managed to win the cup. Um, and it's not a particularly memorable story in terms of actually describing it, but from being able in a position where, you know, you've got people saying things like, Oh, how the fuck has he managed to score that? He's shit. And people writing me off and stuff like that. Then getting into this team, holding down a place, scoring goals in the run-up to the thing, and then going on to win the cup. Yeah. Just fucking it's, it sounds a lot like it. FM, where you play your weakest side in the, in the cups. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I, I'll, I'll, I'll fully admit that I'm weaker than the other winger at the club, because the other winger at the club... It's like a North Honestly, he would sit all three of you on your ass without even fucking trying. He's... The person, the other lad who plays in my position is a fucking absolute baller. So I don't mind saying, okay, I'm part of the weaker weaker part of the squad. I'd rather, If I'm the weakest part of that squad, 
I'm not too bad, so we're doing okay there. I mean, I wouldn't um, be holding my breath for Hollywood yeah. producers to be calling, but good story, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Do you know what? I didn't fucking pick on any of your fucking stories. You're all bad. We didn't mate, pick honestly. on the first one. Well, actually, I pissed on Niall's yeah. story a little bit, but fuck <laughs> you, honestly. <laughs> so anyway, after that fucker, all right, we're going to move on. Um, and I'm just going to go to you guys about the reaction to Arsenal versus Everton um, and what you made of the game. Um, what you made of the, you know, overall performance and the ramifications, of course, of the results from two teams that there was nothing really to choose from before the start of the game. Proper mid-table end of the season clash. No one giving a shit. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a similar, similar thing with like Man United and Wolves, that, isn't it? <clears throat> All right. <laughs> Showing off all the today. That guy. No, but for real, because it's not. I nobody gives a shit. These two teams are teams that have gone undefeated in quite a good number of games. They've both had a turnaround in fortune since their new manager, um, and they're both sort of still in that fight for Europe. If Jake's allowed to talk about it, then surely the Everton and Arsenal fans are allowed to talk about Europe, um, and you know, sort of start to see. In particular, obviously, Arsenal's well, the game. getting clean sheets um, as well today. Jake's just, just excited he might not have to go to Aberdeen for their next European run. The <laughs> <laughs> God, Jake. No, we'll have to go to like the New Saints or something like that in Wales. Oh, I mean, that is proper European away day, that one. Crusaders, <laughs> completely UK. <laughs> I mean, I just want to point out as well that that result did push Arsenal over Burnley in the league as well. It did. Um, it got that one in there. Nicely done, Ben. But yeah, they, they, found, they, found, they, found, they found the score repeat again, didn't they? The trick was not pick the guy who's not scoring. <laughs> uh, Calvert-Lewin's goal, first minute, was absolutely brilliant. Class. Very, very good goal. He's really turned the corner this season. I know Ancelotti talked a lot of pish about him when he started saying, oh, I was trying to sign him for Napoli. Yeah, of course you were. But at the same time, he has played really, really well. That he's starting to look like a striker that we thought he could be. Um, I looked at Saka's cross for the goal from Ketty. It was absolutely lovely. Really good cross on that. He played a ball. You guys disagree with me on this one, but I think that's a really good take as well, yeah, to be fair. I think, I think that's a quality really finish from again. Yeah. Chain. It is a good finish. I think... It was all right. I don't know. I think Jake was like actually being serious when he said it was average because Jake was <laughs> shit. Um, I mean, Mate Vidra's goal against Bournemouth was so much better. Oh, shut the fuck up, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I, I just... I don't think a chain corner is enough for you anymore. <laughs> I think we need to find some other like next yeah, level of punch to shame to room. Room. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, have we got a kick option, Niall? <laughs> Can we just boot him and move on? I'll have a look. Yeah, and I don't mean kick him as in like kick him from the podcast. I mean just <laughs> physically something or somebody goes down. You should have said that. Yeah, but that means not getting off the... his arse. Yeah, you should have said that when we met up for the yeah, the, the Radcliffe game the other week. 
I shouldn't have to explain that to you. You should know that you need to physically inflict pain on Jake. It's a natural reaction that everybody has to him. Okay, this, I'm not, I don't need to hold your hand with these situations. Just fucking beat Jacob. It's not hard. I quite enjoy being in the group where I'm not the bitch. It's quite nice. So not much to say on Arsenal then. <laughs> no, um, Leno's, the Richarlison goal was a fucking Leno Powler. Absolutely awful. Um, Aubameyang took his goal, his uh, first really nicely. Yeah, I think... I was gonna when I was talking about Saka and mentioned the crossing because he played a pass the other night in the Europa League that Robin van Persie described as world class. He's starting to really make that left hand side his own. What a fucking player! A what a player! That's great. Bear in mind, everybody as well, who, who, like in pre season. There was a lot of talk about um, Reese Nelson. Um, you know, nobody was really, really talking about Saka, but he's he, he's left it to a point where you can't not talk about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There was all the talk about Inketia, and Inketia is starting to justify it. You've got to look. You've got to wonder as well if, if um, Bielsa's looking at his lead side now, struggling to score goals and potentially, not exclusively, but potentially bottling the the championship again. Looking at Patrick Bamford missing fucking four or five oh, chances a game. Pat- just thinking- Patrick Bamford, championship world class. I mean, why would you want a guy who's scoring goals in the Premiership when you can have Paddy Bamford, who consistently doesn't score them in the Championship? <laughs> and he's like <laughs> yeah. 10 chances before he even scores one. Yeah, Bielsa's, Bielsa's an odd one because that team just burns out. He really does just burn out. But. Yeah, they've got no plan B. It's a bit like Liverpool of a few years ago. Run the fucking ball. You've not got up. much of a plan B you now, know. to be fair. That's why you end up grinding the games out. I don't often praise Liverpool, but their plan A is just, you know, stupid. Oh, phenomenal. But. Yeah, but, you know, that you know, we found a new edge to our game because we can attack and we can blow teams out of the water, but when we need to, there is a plan B where we can get gritty and fucking nail down results, and that's kind of the thing that I was coming on to. But, um, you know, but before we gloss over that and gloss over Arsenal and Everton again, you know, um, I just sort of wanted to... What do you think in terms of... Has that kind of really dented the Everton push for Europe now? I don't think um, Everton have the quality to get you with all the teams that are actually playing better. United seem to be turning a little bit of a corner. Wolves are a really good side. With all the teams that are playing well in those sort of fifth to tenth positions, and Burnley's form as well, Jake. I cannot see Thank Everton you. even with this even with this upturn since Ancelotti's come in. I couldn't see Everton getting Europe. I honestly couldn't see it. I just didn't think there was the quality. Uh, no. Do you think that needs to be the goal? Sorry? Do you think that needs to be the goal? Yeah, oh, well, yeah. I mean, it needs to be what they're aiming for, but I just don't think they have the quality to realistically achieve it ahead of so many teams who are better than them. And do you think Arsenal now, after the back on the back of this result, uh, now sitting on 37 points and they're unbeaten in something like 11, won the last two... Do you think that puts them right in the shell? Because, I mean, 40 points takes me higher. I've said this from day one this season. Arsenal's policy this year on picking young players 
it might not have bared fruit this season, but they will come out of it a better side because no one doubts the quality and the talent of Saka and of Reese Nelson and of Joe Willock. And the first team exposure these guys have got this season has been absolutely fantastic. And Martinelli will be a baller next season as well. He's a hell of a player. He's a really just in time because Aubameyang will be in his 30s. Well, here next season. Aubameyang's been there a couple of years, so he's due for a meltdown and a move. Yeah. Is Aubameyang not already in his Yeah, I think he's 31, 32, isn't he? Or coming up to 32. So saying, oh, he'll be in his 30s next season is a bit of a fucking shitty stat there. It's not on It's great. I think Aubameyang is due either a hamstring injury or a move to China. I don't think he's going to be at Arsenal for long. And with Nketiah and a couple of the other youngsters they've got, as good as Aubameyang is, the first-team exposure they've had, I don't think Arsenal will suffer too much. No, I wouldn't say so. I think he's massively underrated, Aubameyang, because everybody knows that he's good, but nobody ever really has that discussion about him being in there with like the top sort of scorers of the but Premier yeah, League. Uh... No, you don't put him in... Yeah, but nobody puts him in those brackets when you talk about the likes of sort of Salah, Mane, Aguero. I think it's down you know, to Arsenal. Yeah, I think I think that's much as anything. Arsenal's not being spoke about. Therefore, Aubameyang's going under the radar in the media, at least. But I dread to think what a mess they would be in if it wasn't for that. Do you know what I mean? They'd, they'd, if it wasn't for Aubameyang, they'd be serious, serious, yeah, serious trouble, definitely. wouldn't they? Because he, he just. Seems to really produce the goods whenever whenever Especially they need him. A few weeks ago, anyway, there was some serious trouble. He also has a tendency, which you wouldn't say about the other top scorers, sort of Aguero, Vardy, people like that. He has a tendency to go missing. He has a tendency yeah. of he has a tendency of just not really wanting it, not really bothering. A little bit like Martial, but score, actually scoring a lot of goals. Yeah, <laughs> a goal scoring Martial. It's one of those. Just look. I look at Aubameyang and the frustrating thing is, I think, how with his physical tools and his technical ability, how good should he be? I think that's part of the reason he doesn't get, he doesn't, isn't really in the discussion for the best striker in the Premier League as much as he should be because everyone looks at him as a football fan and goes, he shouldn't just be in that discussion. He should be dominating that discussion and he's not. Because he is not himself. He is not mentally right. He was in a pot at the time. Okay, right. So I think that's kind of a nice little roundup of of the Arsenal and Everton and the reaction to that. And I'm going to have to reluctantly um, move on because I don't want to be accused of just talking about Liverpool when we win. Here we go. Um, So I'm going to... I'm going to move on to the Champions League games and stuff like that, and and get your thoughts on the games that sort of and how it panned out, and uh, a little bit of a preview of the games to come as well. Uh, Brilliant. Simeone um, pulling his best Sean Dyche. Um, I think, <laughs> think that was excellent. I... No, do you know what? I think that's I think that's a little bit wider than Mark there because a big feature of what Atletico did was waste time. They were shit houses. Um, they they were diving everywhere on every possible contact. Every time any foul got committed, every player in a red and white shirt was flooding around the referee, waving imaginary cards and stuff like that, wasting as much time as physically possible because obviously they got the goal quickly. 
And it was, I mean, to be fair, it was a great tactic to deploy because it worked at the end of the day. If they'd have come at us and they'd try to play us and try to play an attacking game and go end to end, they would have got beat. But the fact is they didn't do that and they didn't get beat. The reason why I think it's a bit harsh on Sean Dyche is because he would not tolerate a lot of the stuff that fucking Simeone made his players do and a lot of his own antics on the touchline. That's very not much Sean Dyche. It's really, no, really it just not. just meant the generally, the generally defensive tactic. It was more of a throwaway comment than a something to be heavily analyzed. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, yeah. Atletico get called geniuses and stuff like that, superb win, but Burnley get called anti-football and everything like that. What the that's fuck? Why I think it, that's why I think the comparison's not fair, because, uh, you know, if people call Burnley anti-football, I think the Atletico Madrid was anti-football because there was a lot of diving, a lot of shithousing, a lot of time-wasting, a lot of pretending they were injured. It's a lot of the stuff that people who are non-football fans look at football and go, oh, look at him just fucking rolling about. It was a lot of the negative side of the game. Fair enough, it was a stellar tactic. It worked a treat. They absolutely fucking smashed it. Um, and, you know, they, they got exactly what they needed. Liverpool didn't get an away goal. It did what they needed to do. But I don't think Sean Dyche or Burnley would ever go out. I mean, yes, they can play defensive football sometimes. Um, but... I don't think they'd ever go out and do all of that shit housing and everything like that. I think that's the anti-football part. Um, at, at the end of the day, Atletico played um, played the right way to play Liverpool and got a 1-0 win at home. Um, I don't make them favourites for the tie, despite the fact Liverpool didn't get the away goal because Liverpool are a different beast at home in Europe. Here's one for you. Do you think if it weren't for the goal being so early on, that it would have been the same result. You know, like if, if their first goal didn't come till the 56th minute or something Liverpool, like that. Liverpool, I, I don't think it would have happened. I don't, if the goal didn't come early, it would have been a nil-nil, I suspect. Because I don't think you still we would have scored. Because it would have got on, the more they may have tried to push a little bit. You know, I think though that if it, if it happened later on, they would have tried to push a bit more as it happened later on and try and get a... As well. no, Liverpool getting in the way goal did not suit Atletico. Do you know what I mean? They, 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 where they were was exactly where they wanted to be. And if they managed to pinch a goal, happy days. That was that was the setup from the start, and that's what they managed Perfect. to do. Um, I think if they'd have gone on into the game, there's no way that they'd have gone more and more at us because I think we had something like seventy three percent possession. They, anyway. they went. Do you know what I mean? Into so the they, game for a nil nil. If we end up getting a goal as well, happy days. They went, they went 100%. into the game Celtic against Barcelona, Champions League tactics. <laughs> they went fully, we cannot compete with this team. I think went shit out. There's not a huge amount. I don't think there's a huge amount to talk about in that game. If I'm honest, uh, the second leg's going to be really interesting, but I think Liverpool are going to win. Yeah, I think. I actually said before earlier, I've got a feeling we could, they could see us off in the second leg as well. Um, I've just got a really nasty feeling about it. I just feel like Simeone has as well. well there's, no, now, there's nothing stopping gone. him doing exactly what he did last game now, is it? Because they've got a one-goal advantage. They'll do it. But I think, I think exactly. Different they trying to do it at Anfield. I, I think that's exactly what they're going to do. But I think I think Liverpool, yeah, well, will, I think Liverpool will turn them out. Well, Athletico's um, atmosphere is amazing, in it? So to lose that... Oh, yeah. but the, the main thing as well... The main thing as well it was obviously 
the referee had a shocker in not dealing with all the oh, diving yeah. and the play out, play acting and the rolling around and stuff yeah. like that. Um, you know, it, it's it's not like a whole thing of oh, well, Liverpool lose, we just start blaming the referee. It was the same referee for both teams. Um, you know, they, it's the same rule for both teams. One just used them better than the other. One there's, used there's, their environment, and the other one said for playing the referee kind of, well. Yeah, understanding what you can yeah, get away with early in the game and 100%. getting away with it. Should we move? Maybe yeah. move on to the better game of the night, which was the PSG Dortmund game. I was literally just about to do that. Thanks, co-host. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sick of chatting. Sick of chatting shit about. Oh, Atletico dived. What's not chatting? That was it. They did a lot. But anyway, so um, we're going to move over to the new to the uh, other game and get your thoughts on the absolute machine that is Haaland and uh, the result for Dortmund. A very, very creditable result against a, a decent PSG side. I, I loved it. It was a great game of football. I think that Haaland was very, very good when he came into the game. He's a player who, for me, can flit out of a game, but what he's so sharp when the time is right, when the moment is right, he scores. He, he takes his chances. He doesn't need a couple of chances to set himself. He's a predator, in a A player who was just an absolute phenom the whole game who was didn't flit in and out of the game at all with Jaden Sancho. And I, I read a piece on Sancho and Neymar in that game because I know he chats a lot of shit. Owen Hargreaves, every player is world-class if they do something even marginally good. But he was talking... Marginally about, better than Hargreaves. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about, talking about Jaden Sancho being like a young Neymar in that Neymar got kicked a couple of times by the Dortmund midfielders, and they spread it about, spread the treatment about the team a bit as well. So no one was really pinged for it or brought up for it. But Neymar just shut up shop. He didn't want to be there. He wasn't that bothered. He's probably thinking about his sister's birthday. He usually has this time of year off. Um, Whereas Sancho got kicked a couple of times early by Idrissa Gay, and he took it upon himself to take Gay apart the number of times he found himself drifting into the middle and just beating him or megging him or or just <laughs> giving him an opportunity to bite at a tackle and then glide him past him like he's not even there. And Gay's been absolutely great at Everton, but absolutely brilliant at PSG. And Sancho decided to make it a one-on-one duel between the two of them and made him look stupid. Sancho was brilliant on the night. He was everywhere. He just kept picking up the ball. He always went looking for the ball. And he got, it's not like a Rooney who you would say, he often went looking for the ball too much and found himself in the wrong positions. If Sancho found himself in the wrong position, he'd find himself at right back with the ball. He'd still get into a crossing or an attacking passing position because he'd just beat two or three guys like it was nothing. He... He's got to be one of the main names on the team sheet for England now at this point as well, especially with the injuries that we've got to imagine. to rack Sterling on the wings. And yeah, him, Sterling, Kane, top three. If Kane's well, even yeah, there. On a general day, it'll be them three for me. Over yeah. Rashford. All day. Sterling scores like a striker. Sancho scores for fun over in Dortmund. What's Rashford doing? 
He's done about 15 Premier League goals. Yeah, he'd rather have, yeah, but he gets lost as well. He has off games. Always. Sterling and Sancho for me. And uh, what's Rashford doing? What's Sterling done in like the last 10 games? I don't know. But, <laughs> I don't know. It just, that would for me, definitely. Sterling's got one eye on Real Madrid already. He's been talking in the press recently about oh how he'd love to go over and play over there and stuff like that. He's about fucking scoring first, mate. Um, Didn't know that. But yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the other result that we kind of glossed over a little bit as well, Atalanta, um, who, let's be honest, they look like cannon fodder when Man- Manchester City took them apart in the group stages. Um, again, quite a, a creditable result again against um, a Valencia side. And you know, there is an argument there that you, if the, the teams that get through from this round, you're going to want the winner of that yeah. game, aren't you? You are going to want either Atalanta or Valencia compared to a lot of the other ties. Like, you know, With the way Atalanta are Atlantic playing, I, I don't you want to see them. No, but the thing is, you, you say you don't want to see him, but would you rather see Atalanta or Real Madrid or Man City, the winner of that game? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? If you, would you rather see Atalanta or Valencia or the winner of the Liverpool Atletico Madrid game? Would you rather see him over the winner of the PSG Dortmund game? Like, don't don't get me wrong. Then they're they're not a team that anybody's going to really think that okay, we're going to go and roll these over. It's going to be a piece of piss. You know that sort of form is very impressive. But out of the teams that are left in the competition, you're absolutely going to want one of those two teams. You've also got to remember at Atlanta, they only ended up getting through in like the last game of the group stage, didn't they? They were looking doomed. Oh, yeah. And it's a great story. I mean, they've got that um, Morton Darun, haven't they? And he, he, he was a, a bit part player at Middlesbrough and now he's playing Champions League yeah. footballer. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, it's a great story for a club that haven't been... Um, haven't been in the limelight. The headlines. They're not a massive club. Then, yeah, they, they, you're not you're not your typical Champions League latter stages kind of club. But they're, they're on a great run, and it's it's fun to yeah. see. Um, it, you know, it is a good result for them. Valencia, not quite what they were, but an absolutely fantastic result. Of course, it's not. Was over. it four one? Um, yeah, yeah. Not beyond the co- the capabilities of Valencia to just go and do them three nil. Do you know what I mean? It, it's one of those. It's one of those games that could legitimately go either way. Where are you? Sorry, in the table in Serie A. Um, they are. Let me just have a quick Google of that because I don't know. I don't think they're doing too badly. They are four. That's not bad. That's not that because the Serie A is stronger this year than it has been in recent years. Yeah, definitely. Like, I agree with Ben. If I was coming out of an Atletico Liverpool tie, if I was the winner of that tie, I definitely want the winner of Atalanta Valencia. But then you, there's also you're on a bit of a hiding to nothing because you're just expected to win it. Which yeah, you're thinking of the next fixture. I mean. The 2004 Champions League final was Porto Monaco, for Christ's sake. It happens. It, yeah. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. For, for... You, you, can't, you can't not 
though, at that situation, start to think beyond that point. Because if you if you get through to that that game and you manage to oversee Atlanta, and you've got to imagine that any of the teams that get through, say they do beat, um, you know, they get through and they get they get Atlanta and they say they do beat them, then you're in a Champions yeah. League semi final. Do you know what I mean? You have to then start thinking, this could be massive for us. This could be absolutely huge. Um, no disrespect majorly to Atalanta. They are a good side. They're definitely, you know, I mean, it's not like they're fluking it because they qualify for the Champions League. No, they're well-managed. Well-managed. Yeah. So, yeah, well-managed, well-run club. But again, by the same token, it is one of those things that you do, you, you know, you are going to want one of those two teams if you manage to get through. Um. And I think what we're going to do then is we're going to wrap it up at that point. Um, thank you for joining us and listening us to ra- listening to us ramble on. Uh, if you haven't already, feel free to give us a like or subscribe, preferably both. You can always jump on at Uncensored Footy on Twitter or the Uncensored Football Facebook page to let us know what you think about what we've discussed today or what you want us to talk about going forward. Um, or you can find us on the group that brought us all together, which is Football Manager Debate, a specialised Facebook group bringing you all things Football Manager and beyond. We've got chances to win copies of the game for 2021. There's all sorts of tactical hints and tips and loads of mini games to get involved in. So please feel free to come along. And good, That's a good evening for me. Thank again. you. Love Cheers, guys. Thank you very much.